and welcome to the week 16 Megapod, where we break down each and every game of the NFL slate. Give you our thoughts if we have any bets in pocket, if we're leaning towards any direction, or if we hate the game outright and altogether. We will certainly give you each and every one of those angles. I am Matt Brown. That is Steven Anders. That is Adam Candy on the Twitter machine at Adam Candy. Two E's, no Y. At Steven Anders one, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. Of course, everything's free. If you're watching us on the video, side of things hit that subscribe button down below give us a thumbs up let us know in the comment section what's your favorite play of the week if this is the audio side we do appreciate a subscribe a rate and a review helps us climb the charts more people can find this thing and we continue to do everything we do absolutely free so thank you for all of that guys without further ado let's go ahead and get into week 16 in the nfl the buffalo bills at the chicago bears as we sit right now buffalo bills eight eight and a half in favor of the Bears, uh, Bills on the road, of course, in a windy Chicago total of 39 and a half all the way up to 40 and a half. So there is a full point differential in the market out there. If you want to shop around, if you have a position one way or the other guys, about 12 degrees, 20 ish mile an hour winds, some gusts that could get a little bit higher with that. Um Adam, starting here with you, I was looking at maybe an under on this. Then the market adjusted Then now it's dropping down to a point where we could play the bills in a teaser leg if we wanted to. I think all of us, despite the weather factors out there, would probably still think that the bills win this thing. Maybe not at margin. So you could get them down to two. I mean, DraftKings is sitting at eight right now. So you could get it down to to two in a teaser leg. The Bears defense last in sacks, last in pressure rate, last in quarterback hits. Josh Allen's going to have time to do whatever he wants here. Um, I think the Bills is a pretty strong teaser leg. I don't know if I'd lay the eight. How is the handicap for this game, other than the weather, any different than the handicap was last week for Philadelphia at Chicago? Yeah. You're looking at basically the same spread. You're looking at a team that is dominant on both sides of the ball. Yeah, you get some variance with Chicago, right? Because Mm -hmm. Justin Fields, as you saw on that insane touchdown run that was called back, he is human variance. Like he can come up with those kind of plays that could cause you a problem, but you just said it, Matt, it's the defense. And are you worried about Josh Allen throwing the ball in weather? Are you worried about it from his time at Wyoming? Are you worried about it from his time in Buffalo? No, I'm not worried about Josh Allen being able to throw the ball in bad weather any more than I would in any other place. So I'm not going to complicate this. I think it's an obvious teaser leg for the Buffalo Bills, and that is probably my favorite way into this one. Steven, we take a look here. You've got Justin Fields, who has been sacked on 14.4% of his dropbacks. It's the highest rate, not only in the league this year, it is the highest rate in the NFL since David Carr in 2002. If that lets every, if, if you, anybody that's been a football fan a long time remembers David Carr dropping back and getting sacked basically every single time that he took a snap for the Texas. So if that gives you any idea of just how much that Justin Fields has been sacked and just how much pressure. So here comes a Buffalo defense that look gets the 11th most pressure in the league as it is anyway. And now they get to go up against what is one of the most poor offensive lines in the NFL as far as pressure rate allowed also Justin Fields holds on the ball too long so the adjusted sack rate is actually dead last in the NFL as well under pressure of course as we just mentioned more than any quarterback in the NFL as well Uh, you're asking for a field goal win out of the bills here if you want to play it from a teaser standpoint uh tell tell us why this wouldn't be a play you'd want to put in your account 
No, I'm going to tell you why I've already put in four <laughs> teasers with the Buffalo Bills. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> I've been sitting on this number hoping it would drop below nine all week, and then it finally did. And I was surprised it went even further to eight because that's a smaller spread than what we saw against the Eagles. I assume it's weather related, maybe with some wind and cold temperatures here, more so than what we saw with the Eagles. But I think most people would still rate the Bills ahead of the Eagles at this point. I think they're in the same tier personally with Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. healthy. Uh, but that was an interesting move to me. And I said, thank you very much and scooped up some teaser legs. So there's going to be a lot of games here on the slate that I'm going to mention as well that I have paired with the Buffalo Bills. And uh, looking forward to uh, to telling you about that. I wasn't even impressed with the Bears staying competitive in that game against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. They lost yards per play by more than a yard and a half. They were fortunate to have plus two on the turnover margin. So yeah, thank you very much for the teaser legs. Me too. I love it. I get it. Like, you know, once you get up that nine to 10, if you think it's going to be a super low scoring game and like the weather will play a factor, I can understand why maybe people were taking those nine, nine and a halves and different things. But like now you've moved it back into that teaser territory for me. And I think it's going to be too, way too hard for me to, by pass the way, up. yeah. How how good did the Bills look in winter weather Saturday night against a much better team? And if you're worried about weather in this game, yeah, they look no. damn good offensively in that game. Yeah, I I agree. I, it's just just you know Justin Fields can only do so much. He's basically a one man team at this point. So uh, I like the Bills a lot there. New Orleans Saints and the Cleveland Browns two and a half. There are some cheap threes on the Browns, but consensus kind of two and a half. Across the industry, we're sitting 32 and a half on the total. This thing had gotten as low as 31 and a half. And this is when people said, OK, that's too far. We're going to buy back in on the over. The reason for that being bitter cold mixed with ridiculous wind equals a total of 32 and a half. We're talking 11 degrees. We are talking 36 mile an hour winds with gusts up to 45. It's a feels-like temperature of negative 10 to negative 12, so it is going to be absurdly terrible. Now, I'm glad that we did. By the way, guys, if you're just watching this, I do want to mention we are recording this on Thursday where we typically do this on Friday, so we don't have the complete, complete injury reports, but we do have a lot of the ones for the Saturday games, of course, and so uh, the big news here for the Browns is that Nick Chubb is going to go for them. He in After uh, two DNPs in a row, people were pretty worried that Chubb wasn't going to be able to go. Obviously, in these type of conditions, it's just going to be a run fest. It's going to be literally 50 carries for each team, and it's who can kind of grind it out the most. If you look at this from that standpoint, to me, uh, Stephen, it's an obvious advantage to me to the Browns, especially now that Chubb is going to go. I do not see very much success at all for either one of these teams through the air. You have a Lave weirdly banged up in this one as well for the Saints. We've seen how poor Deshaun Watson has played for the Browns. And then again, you just, it doesn't matter how strong you are. You can't throw in 35 mile hour winds. You can't throw in 45 mile hour gusts. You will just have absolutely no success whatsoever in this. So I'm expecting this to be straight up old school army Navy, you know, type game. And if that's the case, I, I give a pretty distinct advantage to the Browns, though I have not bet it in my account quite yet. Glad you mentioned Army Navy because that's what the total was in that game too. It was around 31 <laughs> yeah. and a half, 32. Uh, and anybody that has a very strong opinion or is really confident on one side or the other here, 
I would just caution you that this is the type of game that is going to have the potential for a lot of variance. You're going to have trouble kicking field goals, which is going to lead to maybe some more attempts to go for it on fourth down, even when it's not a short yardage fourth down situation. You might have more two point conversion attempts if somebody scores a touchdown. You mentioned the tough time passing the ball, and it just so happens that one of the teams in this game does have a very big and strong quarterback that likes to run the ball in Taysom Hill, who is already getting a decent amount of snaps. So it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they have trouble passing early with Andy Dalton, that they just go full read option, single wing Taysom Mm -hmm. Hill, Alvin Kamara attack here and maybe go six offensive linemen or something. And I'm not entirely sure what happens if that is the case? Because the Browns statistically have been one of the worst rush defenses in the league all year. But is that still the case where they just completely sell out to try and stop the run and don't even worry about the pass anymore? So complete mystery to me in this game. But Matt, you'll be proud of me. Mm. I still found a betting angle. Yeah, he did. Yeah, most books, most books are too scared to put field goal props up. But mm. our show sponsor, BetMGM, has. And they have plus money on either team to not make a field goal in the first half, which was a little surprising to me that uh, given the conditions. So I'm getting Mm -hmm. plus money on the Saints to not make a field goal in the first half and plus money on the Browns to not make a field goal in the first half. I thought that was a fun way to try and bet this crazy, wacky game we're about to see. Adam, it is, you know, again, it's going to be one of the worst conditions we've seen in a, in a hot minute right i mean like if this holds and again we're only two days out so probably will at this point i think the the forecasts are probably fairly accurate at this point with all of this uh one before you give just your your, your thoughts about this game in particular when you see this that this is going to happen this type of deal and i understand it only comes up every couple of years but how do you treat these these extreme extreme weather type games just in general Look, I am not someone who runs the window to play under on a weather game every time you have something go on, whether it's wind, whether it's hail, whether it's snow. Yeah. You have to evaluate the circumstances uh, in and out. Well, I did evaluate the circumstances. And I see two quarterbacks playing extremely poorly uh, in this kind of weather in the first place. And I think to myself, all right, no, this is the game that you play the under on. Mm -hmm. like Because the fact that the success that New Orleans is likely to have will be on the ground... Um, yes, Andy Dalton's been okay for a good part of this year, but it is not a passing offense by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, you know, that other guy, uh, ha- has not been particularly good since coming back from his sexual assault suspension. So I look at this game and say, not only do you have the wind, which is going to be massive, but remember when we were talking a couple of years ago about this in Cleveland, soft, small pellets formed when supercooled water droplets at a temperature <laughs> below 32 degrees freeze onto a snow crystal. It's time for grapple. Yes. Kids. It's yes. time for a little grapple in Cleveland. Uh, so I looked ahead at this one mm-hmm. and you ask how I play a game like this. I saw which teams were playing. I saw the weather circumstances that were anticipated last Sunday. Mm. And when this one was still sitting 35 and a half, I played under. So I've got all the cleave in the world. I don't know if it'll mean anything in the end, Mm. but 
over 35 points, over 35 and a half points with these two teams would shock me. Not and for the uninitiated, yep. he when he says Cleve, he means closing line value, not Cleveland in this particular case. <laughs> oh, I've got the I've got the Cleveland Cleve. That's that's true. And and the doctors have no cure. The um <laughs> what, one last one last note on this one, not posted yet. They do have the props up for yardage. They don't have the props up for carries. I would be very interested mm-hmm. in Kareem Hunt carries because obviously he's the secondary back, which leads me to believe that they are going to have much lower carry attempts for him. But one Chubb was there was at least something to Chubb being banged up like, you know, he mispracticed and all the different things like that. And two, if we think this is basically going to be turn around, handed off the entire game long, well, he's just naturally going to have to take more carries. Right. And mm-hmm. so I would be very, very interested in a Kareem Hunt uh carries prop but again not posted anywhere quite yet it will be maybe by the time you are watching this and if that's the case i would take a long hard look at that because i think he gets uh, dare i say six to eight carries more than he normally would in a game so long as this weather holds matt just to mm-hmm. throw this to you the saints fan would you do anything with Taysom hill props I mean, you would think you'd see, you'd think you'd see a lot of Taysom Hill. I think you see more of the packages, right? But yeah, like more of the, yeah. I mean, Taysom Hill rush yards or carries or something like that could be, could be pretty interesting as well because I'd have to assume they're going to probably be pretty inflated though. Right. I mean, they, they understand the maybe, but like, is it inflated enough would be the question because if he's normally lined at 10 and a half yards or 12 and a half yards, if they put it to 16 and a half, 18 and a half, is that high enough? If he gets 10 carries, you know I mean? Like, that's the thing to to kind of keep into into account here. So I like that angle as well. So just guys, again, monitored these props. They'll eventually put them up. They're holding off because they know they're going to get nailed as soon as these things come out. So they uh, hadn't put them up quite yet, but they'll they'll be out soon enough, and then we'll be able to go in and try and play some of these. They hate these games so much from a prop standpoint. They hate it. All right, guys, uh, Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. This game got a lot more interesting yesterday afternoon when we found out that Ryan Tannehill is going to miss the rest of the season for the Tennessee Titans. What that has done is an opener of seven is now down to three in favor of the Tennessee Titans at home against everybody's 32nd power rated team in the Houston Texans, a total of 35 and a half. Adam, I want to start with you on this one because you just talked about a game in which you looked at Cleveland and you looked at the Saints and you're like, ah, that seems like pretty high total for me, uh, given how the conditions are going to be and how these teams have played. Well, the last time we saw Malik Willis forced into action, the Titans did not let him throw the ball. He threw 10 times against this Houston Texans team, actually. Like this, he, his last start was against this Texans team, and they still only let him throw 10 times <laughs> in the game against the worst team in the NFL. Uh, 35 and a half. We know the Texans can't do anything through the air. Like, I mean, they have not been able to have any sort of success at all, all season long, basically. I wonder if we get very few chunk plays. And even when we do, it's going to be Derrick Henry going for like 15, 17 yards. That's still a run play. The clock's still going to continue to run. It's still going to tick, 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 tick. We're going to see third and longs where they still run the ball and don't let Malik Willis throw it. I I know it's a low total at 35 and a half, but I mean, is that too high? I have no problem if you want Mm -hmm. to play this under because neither quarterback is going to have any success through the air. Uh, You're, Leak, if there is a leak, is the one that everybody has been talking about, right? Derrick Henry destroys the Texans. Derrick Henry runs for 200 yards and two touchdowns every time he sees the Texans, which is essentially a trends play. But there's also something to the fact that the Texans can't stop the run, haven't been able to stop the run all year long. And now 
It doesn't matter if it's Malik Willis. They're still going to be in a situation where Derrick Henry is going to have the opportunity to run all over them. I don't care how many guys they put in the box. It's still Derrick Henry and still a Tennessee offense that's been dealing with eight guys in the box against Derrick Henry, whether it's Ryan Tannehill or not. So I don't want really in on anything when it comes to the spread. I could see with total if you want to play the under. But what are we thinking is a reasonable number on a Derrick Henry prop when it comes to rushing yards, right? Like what, what would be too high to where you wouldn't play? Cause I think this is the one that everybody's going to be looking at with this game. If it's one twenty, is that too much? I was say, so I'm going to be dead honest with you. I would play, I would play up to one Oh nine and a half. I think. Okay. Like I honestly, because they refuse to let Malik Willis actually play quarterback and, and Derek Henry is going to, I mean, the volume at the very least is going to be there. And the reason we're saying this hypothetically is sometimes the lines get posted by the time we do this. Sometimes they don't, there are no Derek Henry props up right now. Uh, industry wide. What are you looking at in this one? Um, Steven, I mean, this is, uh, this is a, a, an interesting game from the standpoint that, we know how it's going to play out without actually knowing how it's going to play out. It's like, we know the Tennessee Titans are not going to throw the ball probably more than 15 times in this game. We know Derrick Henry's likely to get 20 plus touches in this game. We know the Texans are likely to try and throw the ball, but will they have any success at all? Because they haven't been able to have success through the air at all. So it's like, we know how it's going to go, but we don't exactly know how it's going to go. Well, First, with the Derrick Henry angle, if I'm going to chase props on him, I'm probably just going to chase his ceiling and get better odds for it, right? Like take something way towards the ceiling. You can get him to score two plus touchdowns at more than three to one right now. There's a plus 380 available on Derrick Henry to score two uh, touchdowns. To score two touchdowns in this game. Wow. Yeah. There's a 330, there's a 350, and a 380 I'm looking at right now if you go to the prop finder tool at thelines.com. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's, he scored two touchdowns each of the past two games he's played against the Houston Texans. So, And we know that they're not going to let Malik Willis throw the ball. So, not in the red zone. That's for damn yeah. sure. Like, like they are certainly, if they don't trust him to throw between the 20s, they sure as hell aren't going to let him throw in the red zone. <laughs> right. So ch- chase the ceiling. Why not? I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't even cost you a full unit if you don't want to, and you yeah. can get good payout here. So that's the first thing. I don't have much to add in terms of the handicap of this game. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to plug our Discord because we put – Texans plus eight and a half on the look ahead line in the discord last week on this game. And we are, you know, Adam, Adam thought he had some cleave. I'm rocking the cleave this mm-hmm. week with the Houston Texans. And for those that aren't in the discord, top right hand corner of the lines.com homepage, go into the role server, hit the icons and you'll get push notifications anytime anybody on our staff locks in a bet this one worked out very well for us this week on the look ahead another one this week did not work out as well but i can't do much better than going from plus eight and a half all the way down to the key number of three got lucky with a quarterback injury but uh, I'm, i'm content to just sit on that at this point i don't mind that henry two touchdown prop actually i I think that one's fairly interesting if you want just some action in the game i think that that's an interesting one to have seattle seahawks and the kansas city chiefs 10 point home favorites are the chiefs in this one 49 49 and a half is the total across the industry here steven i'll start with you we know the chiefs have actually had trouble covering these big spreads uh, against these teams and we know, OK, the downside for the Seahawks, no Tyler Lockett. So your kind of go to guy whenever, you know, DK Metcalf is big for is good for the big play. 
We know Lockett is the guy that you look to when you're trying to move the chains, and he's kind of that type of guy for Geno Smith in this. I get why the spread is where it's at. That being said, I have no interest in playing the spread where it is at on either side, because if we sat here and we're reviewing this game next week and the Chiefs won by 20, wouldn't shock me in the least bit. If it was the Chiefs had to kick a last second field goal to beat the Seahawks would also not shock me at all. So uh, this is really just to sit back and watch no play for me at all. More than anything, it's a evaluate the Chiefs against a defense that they should be able to to pound. And can they finally get it right? Like, can they figure something out here? Because again, Chiefs are down to number four in my power ratings. And I am not completely sold that this is like the team to beat like everybody else's. Yeah, I had those same questions about their defense in particular last week, Matt. And and I wanted to spend this week in looking deeper into the Chiefs defense to see if it's what my eyeballs were telling me the last couple of weeks. And I actually found quite the opposite, believe it or not, at least in terms of one key metric here. And if we look at the Kansas City defense overall in the year, they're down to 18th in EPA per play, 31st in red zone defense, which is probably the biggest issue with them. But we know that can get fixed even in the middle of a season. It's 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 not as indicative. It's not as predictive of a stat as red zone defense. So the more interesting thing here mm-hmm. is that where they are low in defensive metrics is an EPA per play. But believe it or not, they're performing extremely well in success rate. So on a down to down basis, on a series to series basis, they've been pretty consistent over the past six weeks, top 10 in success rate, both against the run and the pass. Last four weeks, number two in success rate. Last two weeks, despite giving up all those points, number one in success rate among all defenses. So what happened in those games? The offense fumbled twice, led the short fields and 14 points for the Texans, despite the fact that the Texans offense got crushed in yards per play. Week before against Denver, Mahomes threw three interceptions that led to 14 easy points on short fields for the for the Broncos. And overall for the season, the Chiefs are 30th in turnover differential. So the offense at times, despite how many points they score, how often they move the chains and how high they are in these advanced metrics are turning the ball over at a bottom five rate in the NFL. So when that happens, their defense is in a tough spot. They're going to give up more points. So obviously, I think we all agree the ceiling is there for the Kansas City Chiefs that any given week they can blow somebody out, even some of the best teams in the NFL. But the turnovers are killing them. And this even goes back to last year where Mahomes had a lot of interceptions. So that's, I think, the challenge moving forward for the Chiefs. I did bet Seattle plus 10 on the look ahead here. I'm contemplating cashing it out, though, because I think Tyler Lockett's that important to this offense and it's a big drop off for them. In addition to the fact that the Seattle defense has been playing really poorly over the past four weeks. So um, but I thought I'd at least give you kind of a a handicap on what I think is going on with the Chiefs defense. Adam, we uh, we have a a double digit spread again. Like I said, the, the Chiefs, for whatever reason, have had trouble covering those. I want you to hit on the game just in general. The total seems interesting at forty nine and a half. Um, it is it is at least a it is at least somewhat of a weather game. Uh, Twelve degrees at kickoff, about fifteen mile an hour winds. So not that twenty mile an hour threshold that we really start to worry about. But you know, it's going to be at least breezy, and it's going to be pretty frigid. 
out there. Um, it's not so much do I think that the Chiefs can score, but it's kind of like, how much trust do I have in this Seattle team at this point? Seattle's a team I was fun- thinking that I was right about mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, then thought I was right about in the middle of the year. I was wrong both times. <laughs> I'm not I'm not right on them now, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to bet them because I have no idea who they are. I go yeah. last half of the season, EPA per play on offense, 23rd, EPA per play on defense, 26th. The, they are especially bad. Like this is back to the early season defense of the Seattle Seahawks. And that's the one thing that would give me a little bit of pause about what should be an under, right? It, it, this should be an under for the Seattle Seahawks on the offensive mm-hmm. side of this thing in terms of what they're going to contribute. Um, I will say that last week would have been a great week for me. Had I not decided at the end to get involved with the chiefs mm-hmm. and I looked at that Texans team. I saw the two quarterback rotation. I thought this is the ultimate get right spot for the Chiefs. And wow, was I wrong? Uh, and not only was I wrong, I chased it in game down to six and a half. Uh, I had Mahomes over two and a half touchdown passes at plus one fifty. That was close, but never got there. That was a bad, bad week for me. I actually think you made a good Chiefs. bet. They completely dominated them in yards per play. It's just the turnovers got you. I thought you made a good bet. Well, I, if you want to put the money in my account, that'd be great. But, you know, like, it's it's uh, I can tell you it's not there. Um, you know, so anyway, um, yeah, not a lot to add beyond the fact that I'll pass on this game just about entirely. Yeah, since week ten, Seattle defense back to where they were at the beginning of the season. They are dead last in the NFL in EPA per play. So it is it is as bad a defense as we thought. They hit a little easy patch in the middle of the season where we thought maybe something was turning around, but that ended up not coming to fruition. New York Giants on the road at the Minnesota Vikings don't have to worry about weather here because it is in a dome, fortunately. So we at least can just handicap this on what we think of the two teams on the field. It is sitting anywhere from three and a half to four and a half in favor of the Minnesota Vikings, a total of 47 and a half to 48. Adam, when we take a look here, it is your New York football Giants, which, by the way, Brian Dayball should win coach of the year. He won't. But the fact that he has kept this band of misfits together to even be competitive in games, much less win games, is insane to me. So he should win coach. Of a the pretty year, good but, number if you believe that right yeah, now. Yeah, but he's, he's not more than 20 to one. Yeah, he ain't, ain't going to win, unfortunately. Um, that said, we are looking at a Minnesota defense that we know can be had by really good offenses. I guess my question to you is is this is this a good offense (laughs) first of all i do not know why when it's time to talk vikings you're coming to me on this podcast don't don't you worry no no it's the giants it's i'm talking to you want to talk the giants okay i'll just give you the giants (laughs) side of things and then you two can talk vikings okay uh, no, it's not a good offense. And, and look, I had fun last week. I really did. I like, I'm, this was the first time in a number of years that I've sat down to watch an Island game for the New York giants. Mm-hmm. I've been really, really excited and gotten to enjoy the giants winning a game, right? It, 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 they did exactly what they needed to do. They created a little bit of havoc on defense. Kayvon Thibodeau started to look like the guy who everybody thought was going to be the number one pick two years ago. And then you had basically Daniel Jones only throwing the ball horizontally, yeah. never throwing the ball vertically and Saquon Barkley doing just a few Saquon Barkley things. So yeah, if you want to look at that side of it with the giants, I think what the giants do is against teams that are not elite. They're going to keep it close. They're going to run a conservative kind of game plan that is going to keep the game fairly close. What I worry about with the giants is on the defensive side of the ball. 
Uh, I think Justin Jefferson might have 35 catches this week for 944 <laughs> yards. Like, I, I think he he might just start throwing the ball to himself and catching it all by himself. There's no one on this Giants team who can cover Justin Jefferson. There aren't two guys on this team who can cover Justin Jefferson. Adore Jackson is out again for the Giants, and their best cornerback is playing for the Philadelphia Eagles and James Bradbury. So that would be where I would have a lot of concern about the Giants this week. Steven, uh, this thing was three on Monday, all the way up to four and a half at a few of the books out there right now in favor of the Vikings. So they are, weirdly enough, after a month of getting faded by everybody, um, is is gaining a, a bunch of bets this week against this Giants team. I think it's probably less to do with the Vikings and more to do with the Giants situation than anything else. But uh, what do you read into what's been going on here from a betting standpoint? Before I get to the on-field handicap, I just want to make a note about something here. The Vikings were three and a half point favorites against the Colts last week, needed the biggest comeback in NFL history just to win the game. And now they're four and a half point favorites against Brian Dable. Make that make sense to me. Spoiler alert. You can't. It makes no sense. The Giants are still better than the Colts. Okay. And they should not be bigger dogs just a week later against the same opponent. Not to mention the Vikings were underdogs to the Lions and got their doors kicked in just two weeks prior. So that's first of all, the the line is wacky to me, and I've already bet Giants plus four and a half. In terms of the on-field handicap, over the past month, despite two games mixed in there against Dallas and Philadelphia, the Giants offense still ranks slightly ahead of Minnesota in success rate, believe it or not. And the Vikings have turned into a pass-funnel offense, which, as you guys mentioned, could actually help them this game. We'll see. But... They can't run the ball. The last four weeks, they're bottom two in rush EPA and success rate, despite having Dalvin Cook. So now on the defensive side of the ball, because I do believe the Giants offense run by Brian Dable against what has been a mediocre defense that I've chronicled over and over again. I won't get into it again this week. I think they'll do enough to move the ball and score some points. What matters is the flip side here. Can the Giants defense do enough to slow down Kirk Cousins? And I think they can. Nobody blitzes more than the Giants, which has led to a top five pressure rate. That also means they play more man coverage on the back end than any team in the league most weeks. Kirk Cousins is much worse against man defense than he is against zone defense. He has the number one completion percentage against zone defense, but only the number 16 completion percentage against man defense. Vikings probably win the game, but betting on them any given week to win by basically a touchdown or more is crazy talk to me. And I'm on the Giants plus four and a half here. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't have a strong opinion on this. I mean, here's the thing. Again, I, I think that what we come down to is we figured some of these teams out. And I think that the Vikings are one of those teams that we've kind of figured out. Right. I mean, there are very few teams in the NFL that you can look at and in, in any given dire situation, not feel like they are out of a game. The Bengals being one of those with all the weapons that they have, of course, the chiefs just because of the Patrick Mahomes factor, all the weapons they have. And then listen on a weekend week out basis, the, Vikings have proven they can put up 400 plus yards of offense. I mean, that is, and against anybody, right? I mean, that is, that has been proven week in week out. They can do that on against any defense in the NFL. And so that would be, that would be my only kind of hesitation here in taking any points with the giants, because if the, if they do find themselves behind in this game and Adam kind of painted the picture here, I mean, like there's no real receivers to throw to. You're basically only relying on what Saquon can do at this point from an offensive standpoint. I don't know the comeback factor 
is really there for this Giants team. And I think that against the Giants defense, with it being as poor as it is, I do think that there could be a possibility for, you know, the 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 Vikings to run out to, you know, a pretty big lead in this thing. And I just don't know if the firepower would be there to get any sort of backdoor. So that's my hesitation in this one. Probably more of a probably more of a sit back and just kind of see what we're going to get here from both of these squads. Adam, from my standpoint, I can't lose the alt over now. I was happy as you were last week on the win with the Giants. I thought it was fantastic. So at this point, Brian Dayball is a guy right. to me. I, listen, <laughs> I was I was driving back to the house during the Kayvon Thibodeau touchdown. My buddy Ryan Radke was calling it on Westwood One. I yelled in the car and I thought to myself, I can't remember the last time I yelled during a Giants game other than you need to lose to tank. So I, I I looked at Justin Jefferson prop up. I'm seeing six and a half right now on receptions at like minus 130. Guys, that's your play on this game. Yeah. There's no way Justin Jefferson short of a rolled ankle is coming up short of seven catches against the Giants. And they're going to try to get him 2000 yards too. Like they're 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 going to try to get him two thousand yards if at all possible over these last three games. Like they're 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 going to do that. Cincinnati Bengals and the New England Patriots. This is another one that baffles me. Uh, Cincinnati down to three against the Patriots. Forty one and a half is your total. Uh, Steven, look, no no surprise. I mean, I'm on Cincinnati in this game. This thing got to three. I don't know why it came off of the three and a half. We got it was three and a half last week. On the road against the Bucks, they go in, they prove what this offense can do. Listen, you can say about, oh, they had to rally from being down, tip pass interception, fluke blown coverage. It, again, it, you can't just look at the box score. You have to watch the game and you have to like see how the points came about and all the different things like that. So you look at that, and now I'm getting a half a point discount to the keyest of key numbers against a New England Patriots team that. Hey, look at our power ratings. We do one to 32 every single week. I have them in the bucks right next to each other. They're the same team. And I'm getting a half a point discount against uh, uh, with, with the Bengals in this game. Give me Cincinnati all day long. And by the way, that's just another week for T Higgins and for Tyler Boyd to get healthy. Uh, even though they played last week, they were playing, you know, with a one with a bum hamstring, one with a, a dislocated finger, uh, an extra week for them to get healthy as well. Uh, give me Cincinnati all day long in this thing. I just double checked my power rankings. I have the Patriots ranked 18th, just like you do. And yeah. I also have the Bengals top five. So if you're betting them at minus three, I think I probably have to bet them at minus three. Uh, I was on the fence here coming in. Uh, our staff's not completely split, but but Mo did bet Patriots plus three and a half here. Um, you can go back to beat the closing line to hear why. He also posted in the Discord. Eli bet the under 41 and a half here, but... I mean, Matt, to steal a line from you from earlier this year, and I absolutely love it. The Patriots still don't have any dudes, man. Like, they got Ramondre Stevenson. That's about it. Other than that, I'm not sure. And the Bengals have a lot going for them. I think there's a... I think there's a very good chance that the Bengals might actually be the best team in the AFC at this point. I think there's a very good argument to be made about that. So, they didn't look good at all. Honestly, they got dominated by the Bucs for most of that game last week. And they were very fortunate that the Bucs just completely imploded and turned the ball over nonstop in the second mm-hmm. half. So I do acknowledge that. But let's just say, hey, they got lucky. They won the game, not giving their best effort. Very good chance to give a much better effort this week. So 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and continue to be bullish here on the Bengals, and I think I might join you. It's not in the account yet, but if it's going to be a flat three, I'm going to be very tempted to bet the Bengals. Yeah, Adam, we take a look. I mean, if you do want to look back at that game last week, and if you, you know, if if I'm I'm not making excuses for Cincinnati or anything like that, but Trey Hendricks did sit out last week. He's likely to be back this week. They're just going to put a club on that, you know, arm of his where he's got the wrist injury and stuff. So um, he's obviously one of the bigger disruptors there is in the NFL from a defensive line standpoint. So again, not making excuses for why they got behind or anything, but you do get back a key cog on the other side of the ball for them there. Um, I guess my thing is this is if you want to back the Patriots here and I would, you know, we don't have Mo on here to kind of defend the position, but where, where do the, where do the points come from for the, they didn't score against the Raiders last week. The Raiders have a terrible defense. Like they couldn't score against the Raiders in, 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 you know, essentially a must win situation for them to try to make the the playoffs. And now they get Cincinnati, a much, much better defense coming to town. I guess I just don't get the rationale behind it all. If you're a box score watcher and you're like, they put up 24 last week. Nope. They put up 17 yeah. last week. Derek Carr basically uh, gift wrapped an interception mm-hmm. for a pick six to them. And that's part of how they got those points. Uh, question for us because we can't coach our bets because I, I would want to be able to coach Mo's bet and say, why the hell isn't Bailey Zappi starting? Uh, really? <laughs> what has Mac Jones shown you to still be the starting quarterback? Of he can't throw Patriots an out route. Right Do you watch any of the game? He can't <laughs> throw a simple out route. I watched the entire game and, and he can't throw much of anything. And I know we all want to blame Matt Patricia and we probably rightfully want to blame Matt Patricia for what's wrong with this offense. But it ain't like Mac Jones has been playing through it and getting himself over the top beyond it. Like Mac Jones has been terrible. He's complaining like a whiny little boy every time something <laughs> goes wrong with the offense. And on the other side, you have Joseph F. Burrow. Uh, to me, that seems pretty clear when we're talking about a three-point spread. So again, you can look at the game last week with the Bengals, and maybe folks are looking at it and saying to themselves that, okay, the Bengals got lucky. Matt, it, right now on the YouTube, is showing his Christmas gift from his VEASAN co-host, uh, a candle that, quote, smells like Joe Burrow, which I would think would be <laughs> terrible because I would think it just smells like nutsack. A unique uh, blend like- of charm, swagger, and winning attitude is what it smells so what, like. So what is that exactly? Like, what do you got? Like coriander in there or some shit? I, I think Your what Rosemary? happens is that s- someone doesn't take a shower for three days <laughs> and then they capture it in the wax. Like, that's that's Joe Burrow. But look, look last week, Cincinnati got down 17 nothing uh, against the... Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know Matt and I bet him live. Yep. I think you might have uh, as well. Like it, it was pretty clear that this yes. is a team that had every possibility to come back. And we talked about it in our slack that, you know, uh, Steven has a candle that says smells like Lou Anarumo. Yes. And he's <laughs> also very excited about that candle. Uh, and the Bengals defense did it again. Right. Matt talked about it. Matt just talked about the fact that the Bengals defense completely shut down Tampa Bay in the second half of that game. So if they shut down Tom Brady, they're probably going to be able to shut down Mac Jones when necessary. And uh, we've talked a lot about the DJ reader angle being back on the defensive line to stop the run. So if they can't run, they can't throw, then I don't think the Patriots can get much done. Yeah, I I, I love Cincinnati this week. It's my favorite bet, favorite bet of the week. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, you bet them every single week. I'm like, well, you know, guess what? I just, pretty cash, good. I just cash tickets every single week on them, too. Like, I mean, I just cash tickets on every single week, too. So it is it is what it is. I I, I love them this week. And again, like. There are a few quarterbacks, I think, that were out there like in any sort of deficit, any sort of anything where you're like, 
that guy gives zero Fs that they are down right now. And they're in Joe Burrow certainly fits the, the bill for that. He didn't care at all. He understands what they can do in, in, a, in a short amount of time. Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers, the uh, interesting game of the week, uh, to say the least. It is the Lions that are vying for a playoff spot here as two and a half point road favorites over the Carolina Panthers, a 43 and a half to 44 is your total. Adam, when we take a look at this, it is a back-to-back roadie here for the Lions. They're outside again. I know when you think of Carolina, you don't really think of cold, but this whole weather thing that is happening, actually, it is going to be in the 20s there in Carolina because, you know, of the whole weather situation and whatnots and where for our thousands. So it will be cold there. Back-to-back roadies outdoors for Detroit. Uh, does that bother you at all? And do you think that, you know, listen, we always have to bring it up if it's if it's a possibility, you could tease the Panthers to eight and a half if you wanted to. I won't know part of that, but we do at least need to bring it up because it is an option of a way that you could bet the game. Nah, son. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I won't be doing that. Uh, I bet the Detroit Lions at three. Mm-hmm. I bet them without hesitation at three. And this is the game where I'm going to have to ask you guys because you've been asking me explain this line move. Someone's going to have to explain this line move to me. You keep betting Cincinnati and putting money in your account. I keep betting Detroit mm-hmm. and putting money in my account over weeks eight to 15. So basically the second half of this season, and you guys know the filters that I use. I've talked about and over and over again, when it comes to EPA, I filter out 10% to 90%, uh, the two margins of win probability. And then I take a look at EPA per play. Here are the top five teams in drop back EPA at 0.19, the Philadelphia Eagles at 0.241, the Miami Dolphins at 0.26, Two six eight, the San Francisco 49ers at 0.27, the Kansas City Chiefs at 0.33, the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. It's a passing league, and the Detroit Lions are the best passing team in football by that metric right now. Now, if you want to say, okay, use a whole metric, fine. Let's use weighted DVOA that talks about how our team's playing right this moment. The Detroit Lions by weighted DVOA are eighth in football at the moment. The Carolina Panthers are 27th. I could use a whole lot of metrics and numbers to tell you about this, and all of them are going to back up my case. But in the end, I don't need any more than the eye test. That was a difficult game for the Detroit Lions last week against an elite Jets defense, and they found a way to come out of it. Okay, so you want to talk about what's different or the same in Carolina. J.C. Horn has been outstanding Mm -hmm. for the Carolina Panthers, right? He hasn't been better than Sauce Gardner. He might be as good as Sauce Gardner. And the Carolina Panthers do not have the defensive front seven that the New York Jets have. So if there's something I'm missing here, you guys can tell me. If you think Dante Foreman's going to run for 175 yards and the Detroit Lions aren't going to have any offense, that's fine. But in the end, I see a Detroit Lions team that I told you last week is right now elite on offense and is at least passable on defense. And I don't understand how they're this short of favorites against a Carolina team that, yes, has had flashes this year. But most of those flashes have been against bad teams. Yeah, I mean, Steve, when we take a look at this, it's it's like here's the thing that is the biggest difference about this. The, the Lions this year and just Jared Goff in general, right, is is he. Is he an elite passer? Absolutely not. Is he one of the, you know, even upper half quarterbacks? Probably not. He's probably right there in that middle of the pack. 
but he's not making those Goffian f ups like he made in like last year and in the, in the year, years and previous, where you're sitting there and he is losing you again. We always talk about these like game managers, and we say like, you know what? He's not going to win you a game, but he's not going to lose you a game either. Well, the thing about Goff was he was going out there and he was losing you games. Like he was doing multiple things during a game that lost you a game. He's not doing that this year. He's actually taking care of the ball, and making decent decisions, and not doing these stupid ass things that he was doing for so long. And I, you know, the success has, has shown also, by the way, doesn't hurt that he has all of his guys healthy and gets an addition of Jamison Williams infused into this offense as well. I look, I'm not going to take away that the Panthers don't have a, a, a good defense and at least a defense with a pulse and, and could present some resistance and could present some problems for this Lions squad. It's just, we hate the Lions defense, but, but are the Carolina Panthers really the offense that's going to exploit the holes that you have from a Lions defensive standpoint. I bet the Lions almost three to one to make the playoffs last week, the minute the news Zach Wilson was starting mm. came out. And that was the hardest game left on their schedule. So if you think I'm going to jump off of them at a line of less than a field goal now, that would be completely counterintuitive and ridiculous. This line mm. is silly. I already bet the Lions minus two and a half on the look ahead. And I was surprised it came back off the three when it happened. I agree with everything you said, Matt. I agree with everything Adam said. And statistically, the Lions have the two best units on the football field. You went at length about the Lions offense. But since week nine, the Detroit defense is number 13 and number 17 in EPA per play and success rate. And the Panthers defense is number 21 and 27 in there. So despite a little bit of hype around the Panthers defense and keeping them in games against bad teams, they're not even as good as the other defense in this game. So the Lions have the best offense. The Lions have the best defense in this game. And we're getting under a field goal. Easy decision for me in this one. Yeah, it's specifically the the Lions run defense has been fairly stiff of late as well, which is, you know, again, if then if if, if that's the case and you have to you got to have Sammy Darnold throw it, you know, 45 times in this game to win. Good luck with that, my friend. I do not think that that is going to be a winning proposition very often either. Pretty interesting, pretty interesting game, pretty interesting line for me there, guys, as well. Atlanta Falcons and the Baltimore Ravens. It is sitting right now anywhere from six to seven. So there is still a oh, full, it's moved. There is still a full touchdown available uh, on the Ravens, or I should say on the Falcons, if you wanted to take the points all the way down to six at a couple of the books out there on the Ravens, 35 and a half is your total. Steven, we know this is going to be a Huntley game here for the Ravens, and this is going to be Desmond Ritter's first start on the road. It is also outdoors. It is also, you know, hey, look, it is, you know, against a Ravens defense that has played much better. As of late, the Ravens had to put Devin Duvernay on IR. They had to sign Sammy Watkins, if that tells you anything, as to what they need to do with this wide receiving core, if you even want to call it that. I don't want to play a side here. I know this seems like I keep beating the drum for these unders, even on these low totals, but like, you know, they didn't, the Falcons didn't, the Falcons didn't trust Desmond Ritter last. Year. Well, how about this? I should say they either didn't trust him or they're trying to really like ease him in to the NFL because there were, I don't know how much that game you guys watched. I was just trying to watch to see what we were going to get in Ritter. There were several third downs at, at distance where they ran the ball. Like they didn't even throw the ball. Like they didn't even let him throw the ball on like third and sevens and eights and nines and stuff like that or whatever. It's like, so you get a Huntley offense that 
probably is going to be pretty inefficient. You got a Falcons offense that's been inefficient all season long as it is anyway now with a rookie quarterback making his second start. I, I don't know how many points are going to be scored in this thing. Another one of the games where we're starting to get more cold, a little bit more wind as well. Uh, it's an under or pass for me, though. It's not in the account. I was going to reconvene the Atlanta Falcons betting commission after the three of us got on them last week and came to a consensus. But <laughs> that was when I was taking my notes on for the podcast and the line was seven and a half with Tyler Huntley yeah. as the, the favorite quarterback. That was a ton. So the, the best of the numbers gone at this point that what had me on the fence and why I didn't lock it in is because despite the fact that the Falcons have been extremely efficient running the ball, more than 200 yards rushing last week, almost six yards of pop running the ball. Now it's a matchup situation for them against the Ravens, who are number six on the season in rush D success rate. Since week nine, they are number one in rush D by EPA per play, number two in rush D by success rate. If you take that away from the Falcons, they literally have nothing else on offense or defense. Mm -hmm. So that's why I pumped the brakes and couldn't pull the trigger. But based on the line movement, maybe I made a bad decision. Adam, I guess we should mention you could do an untraditional teaser leg in the Ravens and take the six and a half down to, you know, basically a pick them or something like that. Or again, as always, plug in the money lines to see, you know, if you just get a better number by doing a money line parlay as opposed to a teaser leg whenever you're doing these kind of non-traditional teasers. That is at least an option, I guess, from the Ravens. Uh, what say you in this one? Yeah, I'm not in love with doing the teaser in that spot. Mm -hmm. If you if you believe that the Ravens are going to to win this game, do you think that the Ravens are winning this game by a field goal? If you don't think they're winning this game by a field goal, then I don't know. I think the news that Lamar is out that just came out like officially officially uh, is probably going to push this thing down. You you might still find a six. If you find a six, then I think you play the six, six and a half. I understand where you have some level of concern, but I'm with you, Matt, in that this is under all day long and. It is under all day long because I did watch Desmond Ritter mm -hmm. last week because I had a bet on mm -hmm. Desmond Ritter last week. And I don't know how in the world that bet came home, right? Like <laughs> I, I had Atlanta plus four and a half. And the fact that that game ended on three was just stunning to me. And I was glad to just get out of it with that. But Desmond Ritter looked terrible. Uh, Desmond really looked indecisive. He didn't look confident. The throws weren't there. He had a little bit of chemistry with Drake London, but that was about it. And so, yeah, you move him against a better defense in, in Baltimore. I don't see how Atlanta scores, what, 10, right. 13, maybe? Right. Uh, that's about as much as I can that's say. That's true. That might even that might even be an angle. Maybe, maybe just a team total under yeah. on, on, on Atlanta in this one, right? And just take all the other factors out of play and just say like, hey, look, I don't believe that you can score very many points in this you also have 15 mile an hour like sustained 15 mile an hour wins in this thing so you know you're going to move moving young way coup outside so even less confidence in their ability to score field yeah goals. you did mention the one thing to bring up though the that drake london uh if you want to believe that that carries over at all he did that's what did throw to him 11 times he got 11 targets in that game so like he's locked on to drake london so uh there is at least that maybe you know a a receptions prop or something like that from London maybe could be a way that you want to look at this game as well. Washington Commanders and San Francisco 49ers. This is sitting seven across the board in favor of the 49ers. 37 and a half is your total. Adam, we just got word Chase Young's going to make his season debut for the Washington Commanders. 
We also got word that uh, Ron Rivera is not sold on Taylor Heineke and that maybe there could be a chance for a uh, a Carson Wentz reunion here for the commanders. So what's a, uh, what's say you in this one? Again, I know we keep talking about teaser legs. It's like 49ers down to a point. I mean, like they just got to win the game against this team at home. I mean, that's certainly always on the table, I think, in this scenario. I went and last week when these look ahead, well, not look aheads when they first opened Sunday mm-hmm. and I was on a different program and I was screaming to get to San Francisco before it got to seven, because mm-hmm. that seemed about as obvious as could be. Now it's in teasable range mm-hmm. down to one. Very rarely will I bet on a defense, mm-hmm. but this is the defense yeah. I will bet on. And, and that San Francisco defense is not only menacing, but as you and I and Steven were discussing on Slack during the giants game last week, Knock, knock. Who's there? Turnover worthy plays there for Taylor Heineke. And it finally started to come home and it couldn't happen at a better time for me as a Giants fan than Taylor Heineke finally starting to have to pay the piper a little bit against the New York Giants. And if you have to pay the piper against the Giants, what are the San Francisco 49ers going to do to you on the defensive side? So, yes, San Francisco teaser. The other thing is we're down to 37 and a half on this total in in a non weather game. If you are worried about the San Francisco defense against Taylor Heineke, well, part of that could be turnovers, right? And Mm -hmm. and you start introducing turnovers and short fields and the potential for offense. Look, Brock Purdy's been just fine. And the Washington defense is good. It is not great. And we do not expect a full complement of Chase Young Mm -hmm. in this game. So, you know, the New York Giants were able to run, I'm not going to say effectively, but enough against the Washington commanders last week. 4.6 yards per play is not something I'm going to tout uh, for the Giants. But we know San Francisco can run the ball. We know that Kyle Shanahan will scheme open some receivers. I wouldn't hate if someone wanted to play over 37 and a half either. Steven, you teased at the top of the show, if people are only watching the single game clips, you teased at the top of the show that you were had a uh, had multiple different teaser legs tied into, and I'm going to guess that this is one of the ones that you have tied into uh, your play from earlier. Yes, sir. Buffalo yeah. Bills and the San Francisco 49ers. That's one of the four teaser legs I have with Buffalo. Uh, you guys laid it out perfectly. I did not hear the Carson Wentz news yet, and I don't care. Fine by me. Bring him in mm-hmm. if he wants to. My ears perked up. That makes me like it even better mm-hmm. if he's going to play because few quarterbacks in the NFL deal with pressure and getting to the second read worse than Carson Wentz. So uh, I love this. The other note I'll just say is, is we have now three games with Brock Purdy at quarterback for the 49ers. And man, is it impressive. Uh, last pick in the draft for those that haven't heard that yet. Rookie seventh round pick, literally the last pick. Kyle Shanahan's a wizard in these three games over that stretch top five and expected completion percentage, but Purdy is still also posting a positive completion percentage over expected. So he's doing his part too. seventh in EPA per play among all quarterbacks with at least 50 passes over the past three weeks. So I have a Nick Sirianni coach of the year ticket. I think it's going to come home if he beats the Cowboys with Gardner Minshew. It's a lock. You can just wrap it up. But if they stumble here, it appears that there was some sharp interest in Kyle Shanahan to win coach of the year. Still, his number has kind of gone from you know almost 50 to one down to short of 20 to one. And I can understand why that action has come in with what the staff as a whole, both offensively and defensively, you have the elite defense in the league and you have an offense that has had to play three quarterbacks this year and is going to have a top three seed in the conference. So 
that's probably my top candidate if it isn't going to be Nick Sirianni and they stumble a couple times. But granted, we never know what voters are going to do in, in these markets. So it's, you know, take a guess. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are anywhere from four and a half to five and a half point favorites in this game over the Eagles. 46 and a half. 247 is your total. Of course, the big news, Jalen Hurts, at least out for this game, most likely, though it hasn't been officially official, 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 official yet, but he's not going to play in the game. It's going to be Gardner Minshew uh, going up against the Cowboys team here that let's let's be honest. I mean, I, I'm not going to say completely choked away a win last week, but probably, you know, fair to say they at least somewhat some chokage going on there in that game. And listen, guys, I this thing got all the way to six and a half. I didn't get the six and a half. I took the six on the Eagles. I thought that was a bit of an overreaction when it got to six on the Eagles. We have seen a, we have seen enough of Gardner Minshew to know that he is a very, very competent and capable quarterback in the NFL. And maybe outside of the whole Jimmy G being a backup to Trey Lance, maybe the best backup situation in all of the NFL, I mean, across 30 career appearances, he has 22 starts. He's completed 63.2% of his passes, 6,000 yards, 41 touchdowns, 12 picks. Last year, he had to step in for an injured Hurts. He went 20 of 25 for 242 and two touchdowns. He's going to get Dallas Goddard back this week to go along with having A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. I mean, I don't know, guys. I mean, y'all tell me where what I'm missing here but like I understand five is a dead number and that's not the greatest or whatever but uh we might see it drift back there whenever it is like full-on blast that that hurts isn't going to play in the game I think that is an insta buy for me at six against the Cowboys what what am I missing here Adam 
What I'm uh, what I'm seeing is the same Philadelphia team that I've seen all year long. Yeah, Jalen Hurts has been really good. But if we're really going to break this down and we're going to start to talk about are the Eagles good because of Jalen Hurts or is Jalen Hurts good because of the Eagles, I am absolutely leaned more onto the side of Jalen Hurts is good because of the Eagles. There's a skill set there. That's why the guy was drafted as a second-round pick. But Jalen Hurts wasn't this Jalen Hurts until they improved that offensive line to the degree that they have, until they added A.J. Brown and drafted Devontae Smith, and he's in his second year of elite play now. Jalen Hurts has been good, but the last time we saw Gardner Minshew play a full season was 2019, and Gardner Minshew was PFF's 23rd-rated quarterback. That's plenty fine when you have the rest of what Philadelphia has Mm -hmm around Gardner Minshew on the other side of this. I don't care what you think about Jalen Hurts. If you've watched the Dallas Cowboys over the last few weeks and you come away thinking that steam of four or five points is something you're comfortable with, with Dallas, (laughs) you are watching different football than I am. And last week I told you guys, you were both on the Jaguars last week. And I said to you, everything about what I'm looking at in my numbers says, play the Cowboys. And I watched the Cowboys on the road in Jacksonville blow a 17-point lead in a game that they had no business losing. It's exactly why I didn't bet on the Cowboys, and I'm glad I had a little bit of discipline when it comes to that game. Yes, I know it's at home. There are all sorts of factors that could say, well, this is a spot for Philadelphia to trip up. Are you sure about that? Are you sure? Because we haven't seen Philadelphia play a truly bad game all year long. Not a bad game. Even the game against Washington, think about the things that had to go wrong and the fluke things that went against them. Fumbling a ball where a guy was running in for a touchdown, that sort of thing had to happen for Philadelphia to lose a game. It has taken far less for the Dallas Cowboys to lose a game. So Matt is absolutely right on six. And you talk about what it's going to take to get back there. As you mentioned, there's going to be the news eventually that Jalen Hurts is Mm out-out. And then think about this. That is going to be the feature game on the, uh, in the afternoon slate and Dallas is as public of a side as there is. It will not shock me at all. If this gets back to six and I already have multiple teasers from early in the mm-hmm. week with Philadelphia at seven and a half. I think I'm probably as invested as I want to be right now so that I'm not going to take the fives. But if we get the six, I don't see how I don't Steven. One of the narratives that I've heard already this week is that the offense is going to have to drastically change because Gardner Minshew's a quarterback f- from Jalen hurts. And here's, here's, here's my pushback to that a little bit. Yes. There are designed runs in this offense for Jalen Hurts, and he does bring a dynamic that you do not get with Gardner Minshew. However, because Sirianni is sharp, because they have the personnel, when they've had to pass, they have been able to pass as well. So when they play against teams that they can get to through the air, Hurts has games of 333, 340, 285, 243, 380, and 315 passing this year it's not like they can't pass the ball in this offense right it is just sometimes the path of least resistance and sharp coaches just go the path of least resistance it's to run the ball so when they've had to pass and they have gone the path of least resistance against these teams that have weak secondaries well guess what you get what you get in those games when Hertz has these big these passing uh these big passing numbers and so yeah they can't have a quarterback running game here with Gardner Minshew, but that's not to say that they can't just get to one of these pass happy uh, sides of, of everything and, and go that route. So for me, I am uh, I'm big time here on the Eagles, especially at six. If you still wanted to play them in some sort of weird, weird, super weird teaser or something, we could do that too. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of just bad luck here with the injury. I, I had him on the look ahead and a couple teasers as well. So I'm going to have to eat this and hope the Eagles win this game. But I, I echo everything you said that Jalen Hurts was not the heavy favorite to win MVP. And, you know, at worst, one of the top two favorites with Patrick Mahomes because he only runs the ball. Like they can pass the ball in this offense, too. And Gardner Minshew in this offense last year threw for. 68% completion percentage, more than seven yards per attempt. So he's fine. He This is the best roster in the NFL, top to bottom. Every unit that we look at all around, I think we would all agree with that. So um, you are not alone, Matt. Mo also bet Eagles plus six here. He talked about it at length on beat the closing line and how the market sometimes overreacts to a, a change in quarterback when the one behind the starter is actually pretty decent. And uh, he agrees with you that this is a, another example of that. Adam, uh, one last thing here. Like, you know, look, Dak Prescott, I think with this, obviously the offense is better with Dak Prescott than it is with Cooper Rush. Dak Prescott is throwing interceptions at the highest uh, at the highest rate in the entire NFL. And I'm not even kidding when I say that anyone with 150 pass attempts like Dak Prescott has the highest interception percentage of any quarterback in the NFL, and that includes Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, Kenny Pickett, like any of these guys that have at least 150 attempts, he's throwing a pick at a higher rate than any of those guys too. And so like, you're likely to get maybe a Dak screw up in this game as well. And this Philadelphia defense is, is pretty opportunistic. Well, you have Dak Prescott this year in pro football focus grade rating between Jimmy Garoppolo and Daniel Jones. That's not exactly what you were paying for when you gave Dak the contract. Now, 150 pass attempts is a very interesting number. I'm going to shout out one of our uh, regular listeners. My friend Chad sent me this stat. said, next-gen stats. Jalen Hurts was running play action at the seventh highest rate in the NFL, 31% of his dropbacks. Okay, Gardner Minshew, minimum 150 attempts since 2019, has the highest passer rating in the NFL on play action, 130.7. A.J. Brown has the fourth most receiving yards on play action. Of course, a lot of that is because offenses were having to respect Derrick Henry, and so he's getting them in that situation. I guess what I'm saying is you talk about Nick Sirianni being sharp, Matt, Mm -hmm. and being able to adjust to what works. Well, I think you have that option right there to adjust to and giving Gardner Minshew that kind of advantage with more motion, with more trickery, and he's a capable NFL quarterback who can utilize those things. Uh, one last little thing here we didn't mention. I mean, no, no Leighton Vander Esch for the Cowboys in this thing, and, like, he's one of the dudes that matters, right? I mean, he, like, when you, their splits, you you look when he's on the field and off the field for the Cowboys, like, it, it's pretty drastic, right, what he brings to the defense and things. And, again, getting Dallas Goddard back, a guy that can kind of man that middle of the field where Leighton Vander Esch might normally be not going to be there, um, there's just, there's a lot of things I think still leaning here towards the, uh, the Eagles as underdogs in this game. Raiders and the Steelers right now, the Steelers are two and a half point home favorites over the Raiders. It is a total of 38 all the way to 39, depending on where you want to look at this. Steven, we know Raiders miracle win, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can he pick it back under center this week? Despite the fact that Mr. Trubisky actually looked all right last week for the Steelers, but Hey, Steelers, you made you made your choice. You're going to pick it. You got to if he can play, you have to put him back in there. I guess my question to you is, do the Steelers are the Steelers a favorite over anybody at this point that has a pulse? I know that there are some some dead teams that we would assume that they're better than, but the Raiders don't really fall in the dead team category. Are, Are the Steelers better than any team 
by a field goal that isn't just completely, you know, packing it in at this point. Yeah, I mean, pulling up my my power rankings now to tell you who I have behind the Steelers at this point, and it's teams like the Panthers and the Colts and the Bears and the Falcons, the yeah. Rams and the Cardinals and the Texans. So, I mean, that's that's the company that I have the Steelers in at this point. So, um, not really comfortable backing them as a favorite at this juncture, especially with a rookie quarterback. So I can tell you Mo bet the over 38 and a half here thinks there's going to be at least more points than that in this game. I did take the Raiders as a teaser leg here up to eight and a half. And I think there's two ways you could play this. Take the Raiders to stay competitive in this game or just wait for them to go up 14 points and bet the Steelers live on the money line at like 10 to one or some something. So, I mean, yeah. it's amazing what how the Raiders can't hold the lead in any of these games. They, they got away with it last week with a miracle play, but um, it's wild to me. But I, I think the Raiders are the superior team in this game. I don't trust the coaching worth a lick like we've talked about all year. But if I can get them to just not lose by more than eight and a half, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that against this offense. Adam, we've, we've been talking about it all podcast, so I need to be thorough here. Uh, eight degrees, 16 mile an hour winds with gusts to around that 20-ish range. So again, not a super concern on the wind standpoint, but at least somewhat breezy and it will be bitterly cold here. And you can look up the stats for yourself on Derek Carr and cold weather. They are legendary. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, to reference something Steven talked about, what you have in this matchup is Mike Tomlin at home against Josh McDaniels on the road. And I will give you one quick trip down Narrative Street if you want to look for something to play. If you want to talk about potentially a first half play. 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, right? Franco Harris died this week, right? If any coach in the league is going to have his team fired up coming out of the locker room, it's going to be Mike Tomlin. Now, I can add some actual football to that as well. Uh, it's not just that the Raiders had a miracle play on the Jacoby Myers Chandler Jones play. Anybody in this room think the Keelan Cole's foot was inbounds right. on that touchdown pass? It yeah. was not. Yeah, he had black not. shoes on in a black end zone and got away with the fact that he was clearly out of bounds, just one of many bungles by the officials last week. The Raiders should have lost that game before it ever got to the Chandler Jones play, and then you would have had them blowing a 17-3 lead at home against that New England Patriots team. So it's not by any stretch of the imagination out of the realm of possibility for them to do that against Pittsburgh. And I think the difference against Pittsburgh and what would make me just a little bit wary of that teaser leg is once TJ Watt came back, this became a real defense again. And Derek Carr, under the kind of pressure that a real defense could put on him, could be in a lot of trouble. He has this year five separate games in which he has thrown multiple interceptions that ain't good it ain't good i agree this is uh one of the games i'm not incredibly excited. i do agree of the teaser legs i've bet this week it's the one i'm the least comfortable with i will say that green bay packers and the miami dolphins let's head to christmas day here the dolphins are three and a half to four point home favorites over the packers a total has risen all the way to 50 now at this one that was my angle on this game, guys. The long, number's long gone. Uh, this was 47 all the way. You know, this has been bet all the way up to 50. The, the Dolphins are going to be able to move the ball score. 
the Packers offense now that is finally healthy has looked a little bit better as well. Now moving into more favorable conditions down in Miami. Um, this is one of those deals like cold weather teams going to Miami and like they can't take the heat. It's going to be like in the 50s or something in Miami. So uh, my angle here is gone. I don't have anything past that, Adam. I don't know if you you have anything in this one. I, I would have loved to have gotten an over 47, but now that this thing's been steamed up to 50, it's probably just a, a sit back and enjoy here on Christmas morning for me. I think this will probably be end up being a small play on Miami for me mm -hmm. laying the four at home. I don't want to get heavily, heavily involved in this because I don't totally understand where Green Bay's offense is right now. But I do understand where Miami's offense is. And I think Mike McDaniel showed you last week that he's figured out what was wrong. And the two weeks that we saw against San Francisco, look, it's San Francisco. And then against uh, Brandon Staley having a one week flashback to the Rams uh, with the Chargers seemed to straighten out in that bad weather up in Buffalo. And now you come home against the Green Bay defense that has been not nearly the same since the Rashawn Gary injury and their inability to get pressure. Uh, I like Miami's ability to move the ball up and down the field. If you don't feel confident in Miami laying the four, then I probably would look into a Miami team total at anything that, uh, what, 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 let me, uh, if you guys can do the math quicker than me on this, then uh, it'd be about 18, 20, 27, 23. So we're looking at 27. Yeah, 20, yeah it'd be about 27 ish. So, so, yeah, well, so for uh, minus four, 20, mm -hmm. uh, minus four at 50, so 27, 23. So, uh, so what, 26 and a half uh, on Miami, then more than likely uh, where you're going to find that. I was I, told I there would be no math. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you seeing here, Stephen? Anything in this one? I'm, it feels a bit of a buy low spot for Miami to me with this action coming in on, on the on the Packers. I was pretty impressed despite the loss to the Bills on Saturday night in that winter weather and cold temperatures in Buffalo. I mean, they led 29-21 within, in the fourth quarter. So they didn't finish the game strong, obviously. But for the first three quarters, they were leading that game by eight points. So... I was pretty impressed. On top of that, I don't feel like it was very fluky. They had 7.1 yards per play in that game, despite the conditions, despite it being a short week and their third consecutive road game against arguably the best team in the NFL. So uh, I am pumping the brakes here on the Green Bay Packers. I know there's been some bullishness on them coming out of their late bye week and maybe Aaron Rodgers thumbs better. Maybe, you know, he'll get some more chemistry with the young receivers, but Third in the NFL in EPA per play since week 10. This, this yeah, Green but Bay look offense. at some of the opponents that they've no, played I'm in just, that I'm just, listen, I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, that if we're, if we're going to quote it for the other stuff, then we got to quote it for the for stuff sure. that goes against us. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you, and, and it's important information. But the last two games were against Chicago and the Rams, who are bottom five mm -hmm. in my rankings and most people's rankings. Uh, I'm not impressed with anything they've done in those games, and I wouldn't use it to um, – to say that they're going to do the same thing against Miami this week. And in particular, their defense against the Miami offense. So uh, I have not put a bet in yet. I figured with the one way action so far this week on green Bay, I figured I'd see how low this goes. It seems like minus three and a half is going to be the low point. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to bet it yet, but if I do, I'll put it in the discord. Denver Broncos and the LA Rams right now. The Broncos are two and a half to three point road favorites over the Rams. 36 and a half is your total. Here's your handicap. The Rams are complete dust. I understand that the Broncos are terrible, 
the Rams are absolute and complete dust. I lost another offensive lineman for the year. Uh, ben Skrawanchek or whatever the hell his name is, Skronik or whatever, he's out for the season. Like, there's there's just nobody left for the Rams. I, seriously, it's like they're done. So they're not going to bring Aaron Donald back because there's no point. There's just it's it's they're complete dust. I mean, like the Broncos at least have a tiny bit of a pulse, whereas the Rams are completely DOA. Stop it. They, hey, you stop it with the Broncos. Listen, listen. That game was not a pulse last listen, week, and I am an angry Cardinals fan. Li- well, I mean, like, this is uh, Russell Wilson is a go I should put as opposed to it's not going to be ripping. If I can, if it's two and a half, I'll take the two and a half. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'll take the two and a half on the Broncos. And the handicap is nothing more than the Rams are dead, like completely dead. Nothing to play for. They're looking to forward, forward to next season. It's I actually think the Broncos might can even win this at margin. The, the Arizona Cardinals last week with Colt McCoy at quarterback in the third quarter, winning the game nine to three. And the problem <laughs> became for the Denver Broncos uh, opponent that when it became Trace McSorley and he went out there firing interceptions to the other team, the Denver Broncos defense, I should say the Arizona Cardinals defense got left on the field for basically the entire third and fourth quarter. And then Denver started just handing the ball off to I'm sorry, Latavius Murray. Are we having a Latavius Murray comeback? Apparently we are. Marlon uh, Mack too. Uh, <laughs> the return of the Mack. Here we go now with the, the Denver Broncos getting a little bit of love because they ran all over a weak Arizona Cardinals team with a third string quarterback last week. I am not here for it. I'm absolutely not here for it. So if it's two and a half on the uh, Los Angeles Rams, I don't care how bad the Rams are in this game with a 37 total. You have to tease the Rams out to eight and a half. Who are the Broncos beating outside of that edge case game last week where they had trace effing McSorley in there? And yes, I'm mad because I had the Cardinals in what was a great teaser leg with Kyler Murray and ended up with Colt McCoy. And I had them in an even better teaser leg with Colt McCoy and ended up with trace McSorley. Feel badly for me, everybody. I have first world problems. (laughs) Uh, This is I mean, listen, Stephen. I, I like I said. I, look, I hadn't bet on the Broncos not one time all year. Like, like seriously, I haven't bet on the Broncos one time all year. I think it's just like you look at this. The Rams have. I mean, they have nothing. They can't do anything at all on offense. Like, I think that we're. I mean, it might even be a Rams under team total for me as well. Like, that might be another look for me in this game because they're just they're just it's they're complete dust. I get the teaser angle. It's the traditional Wong teaser, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go down my own personal narrative street here. Because with three NFL games on Christmas Day, and this one being the middle one, if I watch all three games on Christmas, my wife's going to divorce me. (laughs) And I don't want that to happen. So I would rather watch Ralphie get his Red Rider BB gun for the 500th time than to watch Baker Mayfield against Russell Wilson and these two embarrassments of NFL rosters play against each other in the middle of Christmas Day. No, thank you, sir. Someone will shoot their own eye out in this game. Yeah, it'll be just as good as the movie. This, it is. this is true. <laughs> this is why you this is why you should watch again. Not in my account yet, but I didn't know there were still two and a halfs available. I, I'm oh, I'm going to I'm going to play two and a half. You're going to bet. I'm, I'm going to. Why don't you guys just save the oh. juice and bet each other? That'll be more fun, especially he for me watching the. No, because I want he a, wants teaser. a teaser. I'm not, gonna, I'm not giving. I'm not giving him teasers. Yeah, it ain't gonna work. I give it to you at 140, Adam. Minus 140. That's the, the oh, oh so you're, so you're yeah. in Nevada. Book. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, final Christmas Day game here. We got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got the Arizona Cardinals. This is the Bucks now, all the way out to seven and a half or eight in this one. Now we know for sure it is officially going to be Trace McSorley for the Cardinals. 
So Merry Christmas. This is your gift uh, for the end of the evening after you've had your cocktails all day long. This is how you're going to end your evening. Guess what? Save some of that booze. You're going to want to drink it. Uh, this is this is this is my one. last thing, by the way, until we our Christmas break. I've already started. So cheers. Yeah, Merry, good. Merry good. I mean, holiday. listen, listen, 40 and a half is the total in this thing. Wouldn't surprise me if we see this thing dip below 40 as well before it's all said and done. Steven, where do the points come for come from for Cardinal? I mean, they, they they couldn't score anyway. Now it's Trace McSorley. I mean, if anything, it's an under a gross underlook for me in this one. Maybe a teaser on the Bucks, but boy, this is I this is our treat. This is our final game on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas to us. Not not maybe a teaser on the Bucks. Definitely a uh, teaser yeah. on the Bucks to get them to just win a game against Trace McSorley. If I lose the extra cash in my stocking because Tom Brady loses the trace McSorley. It is not going to be a happy new year. So I paired them with the Buffalo bills. That's my teaser. My favorite teaser leg of the week bills down to minus two and a half bucks down to minus one and a half or minus two here as we record on Thursday afternoon. I I put the Arizona Cardinals at number 32 in my power rankings at this point. They have nothing. They have no coaching. They have no offensive line. They have no defense. They have a couple of wide receivers and now a quarterback that can't throw it to them. So I don't like I don't like the Bucs. I think the Bucs are mediocre at best. They continue to be around 15th in my power rankings, and they're going to just waltz to a division title because of the NFL stupid playoff format that makes no sense when you only play six of your 17 games in the division and get an automatic home game for winning it. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. They're going to just wipe the floor, most likely with Trace McSorley here. Adam, um, this is basically the game where it's like, oh, Merry Christmas. And you open your stocking and then someone jumps out and kicks you in the nuts from your stocking. It's basically <laughs> like that. this is the gift of what you get, like the end of Christmas or whatever. Again, save some of that booze. Do not polish it off in the afternoon game. Save some for the evening. I, I think the Bucks is a pretty obvious teaser like here. I, I, I know. That, look, y'all know I've talked at, at length about how much I hate this Bucks team and what I, I think that Brady is pretty washed. But, you know, if they can't win this game, then. Good Lord. What are we even doing here? Nope. No, sir. No, sir. You will not find me on that Bucks teaser. Like uh, the, 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 uh, I tell you the same thing. I told you when you guys were confident teasing against the Pittsburgh Steelers when the Pittsburgh Steelers looked about as bad as the Arizona Cardinals do. There's something wrong with the Buccaneers. And I think by this point, we know most of what it is. Now I'll give them this much healthy in the first half last week. They finally looked a little better, right? Yeah, like having yeah. Evans and Godwin and Gage all out there at the same time, mm-hmm. they finally looked a little bit more like the team that we expected. So uh, you guys want to bet the teaser. I'm not against it. I, I'm just not for it. Yeah. <laughs> and on the other side of this, the Arizona Car- Cardinals team total is 15 and a half. You tell me where two touchdowns yeah. are coming from Trace McSorley. <laughs> If you watched any of that last week and I got my early kick in the nuts from the Arizona Cardinals because apparently I found where in the closet mom was keeping the presents and Trace McSorley jumped out of the closet and just whomped me. Molly whopped you. Uh, <laughs> right. Just, just a karate chop. Uh, the guy killed me. Yeah. Under 15 and a half on the point total for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, this is just uh, that, that it's absolutely brutal. But again, we will uh, we'll watch anyway. 
We're going to watch. Let's not lie. We're going to watch. We know that we will. Uh, guys, this is, uh, you know, from all of us here at the lines and, and all of our sister sites and everything out there. We do wish you guys a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Thanks for watching this podcast and, and everything all throughout the course of the season. We will be back next week, but I just want to, you know, if you're if you're going to be traveling, doing all the different things like that, we do appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. Hopefully you made some money along the way. And if not, uh, gotten a couple of laughs out of all of this as well. Uh, again, everything we do absolutely free. So you don't anything. If you want to give us a Christmas present, go in, subscribe, rate, review, whether you're listening to us on the audio side, whether you're on the video side, whatever, it's absolutely free. It's a way you can support us for free doing all of this. And so that'll be my last little grovel here to uh or to you could kick trace mcsorley in the nuts or, that would be my or, christmas present or a mcsorley <laughs> kick to the nuts would be a you kick one. trace mcsorley in the nuts <laughs> and you do it from the lines yes that would be uh that would be fantastic as well uh for adam for steven i'm matt good luck on all your week 16 bets